You're listening to the State of Love and Trust, a Pearl Jam podcast. Follow the show on social media and remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. Now, here's Jason and Paul. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The State of Love and Trust. I'm your host, Jason Carapesi, and this week, uh, we've got a doozy of a program for you. Uh, Paul's not with me, but I have a great guest uh, today, and we're going to get to him in just a few seconds. Uh, If you are watching on YouTube, please uh, subscribe to the channel, like this video that helps everybody else see this who may want to, and if you're listening uh, on the audio-only version, um, please give us a... uh, a like, a review, a subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. I I completely messed that up. Paul usually does it. I'm out of my element right now. It's fine. But uh, as our guest laughs in the wings. Uh, And anybody who is listening for the first time, hello, or watching for the first time, hello. And uh, anybody who is a patron, we really appreciate you for keeping all of these lights on and my green screen from falling down. Uh, Without further ado... I'm going to bring in my guest this week. You, I mean, you probably, if you're a guitar player, you have learned guitar from this man, I'm sure. He's got 117,000 subscribers on YouTube, over 1,500 videos, and got Stone Gossard to teach him how to play Life Wasted. It's Ryan Lent. <laughs> Hello, Jason. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for being on this show. Um, we are both, if you're watching this again, we're both... Uh, wearing our guitars is that how you say it wear guitar sure i mean we're not they're not slung over our shoulders here but we've got guitars <laughs> i guess there's, there's no buttons or zippers on my guitar i'm not really i'm not sure no 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 velcro either that's it so we'll, we'll have to figure out how to, how to how to maneuver these things so uh like i said anybody who has tried to learn Pearl Jam songs. Obviously, there's a number of ways you can do it, and it depends when you started learning guitar uh, and how you may have learned the scales and the chords and your favorite songs. Um, In the internet age, though, Ryan, you have become sort of like the the teacher we wish we had if we didn't have one. (laughs) That's very kind. Uh, That's that's really funny, because when I started my channel seven and a half years ago, I didn't set out to do anything in particular. I just kind of thought, I think I'd like to know how to play all the Pearl Jam songs. And what's the (laughs) best way? What's the best way to learn to do something is to teach it. So none of not none, but, you know, very few of my uh, students, my in-person students, or we'll say any in any given town, any very few of any sample size of students wants to learn all the Pearl Jam songs. Um, they should, so though. They sh- I, I totally agree. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I thought, you know what? I'm going to make a YouTube channel, and I'm going to learn all the Pearl Jam songs and teach them because I want to know. And then, you know, lo and behold, at some point, it morphed into just a, just a hobby into my job. So that's crazy. Well, let's then uh, pop the car in reverse and find out Ryan's beginnings. This is where I'd put in like some really cool da, 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 <laughs> music, but I'm not. Um, Post production is overrated. So here we go. Um, let's just start with your Pearl Jam history first. Uh, you know, requisite questions. When did you first hear Pearl Jam and when did you fall in love? All that stuff. 
Yeah, well, back up to a few years before I heard Pearl Jam for the first time, um, and I was a nerdy kid who played the trumpet too much, <laughs> too much trumpet, and I was super into, let's say, five-piece brass ensembles and classical music, so if you poked your head in my room in 1992 when I was 10, you would have found me blasting the 1812 Overture or, <laughs> or Moonlight Sonata, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, then all the well, two things happened when I was um, a, a little later. All the kids in the neighborhood got box turtles for pets, and so I got a box turtle. And would you believe it? I still have those two box turtles. <laughs> wow, they're still alive all these years later. I don't know how long box turtles live. Yeah, they they live forever. Um, cool. No one really knows because no one's ever paid attention. Yeah. No one's outlived their box turtles. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> Not for natural causes, anywho. Yeah. 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 And the, yeah. And the other thing that happened was all the cool kids got guitars and started to take guitar lessons. So I followed suit <laughs> with the cool kids and I got a guitar. Oh, never mind. It's back there. It, uh, that guitar is still here. Um, and I took a few lessons and then said cool kids decided that uh, Vitology was the album to buy that week. And that was the week I happened to be paying attention to what the cool mm. kids were saying. And so I dutifully bought Vitology, took it home, put it into my boombox, previously occupied by Moonlight Sonata, <laughs> and uh, put on Vitology. And I thought, what are these whippersnappers <laughs> listening to? This is nuts. I was a, not a very cool 11-year-old. Okay, so we're we're around the same age, which is great because that that means our timelines might have some fun symmetry or not. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So Vi Vitology was your first introduction to the band. Were you? Did you like it out of the gate? No, I couldn't stand it. Um, but cool. I wanted to be cool. See, I, yep. First, I didn't even know what a rock and roll was. You know what I mean? So it just unfamiliarity. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't, didn't get it. So, but I kept listening to it and kept listening to it until one day I found myself singing along to nothing, man. And I said, Oh my gosh, I like this song. Mm. I like this song. And then, you know, I went through the, uh, you know, you get the X amount of CDs for $1 and then oh, you, Columbia house. Let's go. Yeah. I signed up to all of them and I got yeah. all the CDs that were related and I started making mixtapes mm -hmm. and it turned into my mixtapes were just, remixed Pearl Jam CDs. <laughs> so <laughs> welcome to the sickness. So that uh, so then I thought, you know what? I think Pearl Jam is my favorite band and I had a guitar teacher for um uh oh, I don't know, 8 weeks, but I only owned Vitology at the time, you understand, and I felt kind of embarrassed about that, but I kept bringing in Vitology and say, "Can we learn this song? Can we learn this song?" And eventually he said, and he was a young guy, he kind of looked like Kurt Cobain, so this is an odd thing for him to say, but he mm. said, Ryan, you can't be the Pearl Jam King. And I was so embarrassed because I didn't even know, you know, what other bands there were that I never went back. There, <laughs> and, there are no, trick question. There are no other bands. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> and, uh, and then Stone Gossard and Mike McCready and Eddie Vedder taught me to play guitar because I would just turn on the, you know, I had the ear from trumpet. And I would just turn on the CD and try to mimic, try to mimic. And that's how I spent high school, basically. That's it. That's really interesting because if you were learning guitar pre, let's say, 99, 98, something like that, mm -hmm. you were literally just throwing the CD or the, or the, or the tape in your boombox yep. and trying to hear. I remember trying to hear and teach myself one of the songs on Aerosmith's Get a Grip, just <laughs> purely off of hearing it. Um, and not knowing any scales, not knowing anything. I mean, you obviously had more of a musical background than 
than I did or, or most people. Um, so it's probably easier for you. W- were there any standout tracks that you really loved to play at the time? Well, one year I played Yellow Leadbetter only for a whole year. But that, that's a sane thing to do. Yeah, and, well, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I used to take my babysitting money and walk to the record store miles away, and they'd have Pearl Jam bootlegs, actual bootlegs, you know, mm. ones, ones that weren't supposed to exist, and I would buy anyone that had Yellow Leadbetter on it, and I would try to mimic Mike's Yellow Leadbetter of that day, you know, whatever it was, and that, if there was one song that taught me how to play guitar, it was Yellow Leadbetter. Not a bad place to start. Not a bad place to start. Did you... Did you ever fall out of love with the band or, or was it just a straight kind of incline of, of love? Yeah, B. Okay. <laughs> Definitely. There's been no point at which per- I didn't even realize that Pearl Jam wasn't everyone's favorite band until recently. <laughs> so it's that. funny though. Like, we, we've talked to a lot of people on this show, uh, fans from all over the world. Um, and everyone's got a different story and some i mean there's a lot of people who you know maybe heard songs off of 10 or verses and were all about it and then you know not um surprisingly may have fallen off during vitalogy and no code because it wasn't the same kind of music you know um and then found their sea legs again later on and then even some songs uh off of some of those records maybe didn't work for them because they were 10 15 years younger than the band and they were you know, Ed's singing about some pretty mature stuff um, at those ages. And like, I didn't, I didn't really come to really appreciate around the bend until I had a kid. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Were there, were there any songs that took a while for you to really get along with? I'm so sorry to not have a good answer here, but no. <laughs> wow. You just loved everything. <laughs> just loved everything. Oh they're my like, God. They're like my safe spot, you know? Um, and they've got enough stuff that by the time you're done listening to everything, you've forgotten what this, you can just start over again. And I do listen to other music, uh, so I don't want to give that impression. That, that's true. Anybody who's visited your YouTube channel will know that you teach other rock and roll music. <laughs> Although, one, uh, I've got almost 300 Pearl Jam song videos, which I don't know how that's possible or how that happened. So they don't of, have that many songs, but yeah, you've but, gone back and updated yourself. Updated, and you do the solo sometimes, or you do Mike's part and Stone's right. part if it's interesting sometimes, or I got it wrong, so I try again sometimes. But I like to leave the wrong one up because, you know, um, in whatever you're doing, I think you're attracted to whatever's whatever thing you need to do to get better at whatever it is you're trying to do. And you learn a lot teaching guitar for a decade to people. Um, but then when you take it to the internet and everyone and their mother's going to tell you <laughs> six times, if you got even mm-hmm. the slightest thing wrong, it, it's a whole new level of uh, um, accountability, shall we say. So that pushes you to use your ears better. Yes, the internet is full <laughs> of very helpful people. That's it. <laughs> that's exactly the yeah. whether they mean to be helpful or not. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it. Criticism, constructive or otherwise, uh, you know, you got to have a good uh, a good heart to take it all in and use it for good. Um, and it seems that you're doing that. And I, I want to know when it comes to teaching guitar. Obviously, you had the ears. You had a classical upbringing. In background and bedrock, musically speaking, when did you say, you know what, I know a few licks and I enjoy teaching this thing. I want, or I want to teach this thing called guitar. 
Oh, that's funny. Well, so since I didn't didn't take lessons apart from the two or three months, I didn't realize that guitar teaching was something you could do for a living. Uh, <laughs> but you were being taught by somebody. How could you not know that? Well, but I was 12. You know, you don't think about the economics of what you're doing when you're 12. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> so, you know, you just think everyone's there because they want to be there for that. That's I just sit. I'm in this store and I teach guitar. Yeah. You know, you don't think your teachers leave school. Kids are silly. <laughs> kids are kids are silly. Right. <laughs> so I lived, I moved to, well, um, so when I was 18, I finally went to a Pearl Jam concert. It was right around my 18th birthday and it was the binaural tour. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't, it didn't even really hit me that you could go see Pearl Jam live until I played a lot of baseball. I didn't pay attention to this stuff. Baseball's so, fun. <laughs> baseball's fun. Yeah. Uh, and thank goodness it was the binaural tour because they were having the troubles uh, with the Ticketmaster and and the so forth. And I like maybe two days before the concert, I said, "You know what? I'm going to go see Pearl Jam." Um, and I went. Oh to, wow! You waited that long? But yeah, it didn't it didn't even no one. I didn't I didn't know. Okay. <laughs> so so I I went to the record store, Sam Goody, where you used to buy tickets, mm-hmm. right? Oh yeah. And wouldn't you believe it? There was a ticket left. Not one. There were some left, and I got a ticket two or three days before the show that I ended up going to on September fifth, two thousand. And uh, you know, at that show, since you always talk about specific shows, right? At, mm-hmm. at, at that show, I showed up so early because I'm a if you're not early, you're late kind of guy, and I don't want to be late for something like that, right? So I showed mm-hmm. up early, and I w- walked into the venue, and there was nobody upon nobody there, like maybe dozens of people there. And I didn't know Eddie had a beard at this time. You know, inter- <laughs> there was, weren't looking on the internet for, for stuff um, then. And May I quote Jay and Silent Bob and say, what the fuck is the internet? Exactly. <laughs> hey, you kind of you remind me of Silent Bob there. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad. Well, much narrower, but any anyhow. Uh yes. a man with a beard walks out and sits out in glasses, sits sits on uh, sunglasses and sits down, and I've got no idea this is any better. And uh he starts he plays a couple acoustic songs and I he starts playing and I still don't know it's Eddie Vedder and there's no one there so I'm up real close you know no one's enforcing the seat thing yet or anything it was just like a sound I don't even know why he did it and he sang the first note and uh, I mean I broke down in tears yeah. uh, it, it was the most powerful moment of my life to that moment and uh, so I did. Uh, uh, and, and the whole concert, it was just like, what the, what the actual, like the, yeah. whole, the whole time, you know, and, um, I went home that night and I wrote my first song, my, my very first no kidding. Song. Absolutely. And then I drove to California with nothing in mind, no prospects. I just wanted to do guitar. I felt like California would be the place to do that. Like it's 1960 or something, you know? Yeah. You, um, you were, you were almost famous. That's exactly right. Mm. And uh, oh, back to the teaching guitar thing. So there you go. So that's why we're yeah. And uh, there was this. It was before School of Rock started. Um, I don't remember what year it was, but I was in my early twenties. And um, there was a place only there. It was just one place. It was started by one man, and it was the School of Rock concept before anyone else was doing that concept. You know, lessons, bands, jams, mm-hmm. all all the stuff you could possibly do. 
and it was called Red House Studios in Walnut Creek, California. And I'd actually heard about it through a friend, and she had a friend who got hired there. His name was Michael Johnston, and he actually worked with the Killers. And I thought that was really cool because I was starting, I was in bands and stuff. I was doing guitar in California. Mm -hmm. And um, I wanted to meet him, so I joined Red House Studios as a a customer, and it was like a monthly fee, and then you could drop in for any of the jams or whatever. Still no idea that guitar lessons was a thing. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, and one day the owner calls me up. I'll never forget where I was. And um, he says, "Hey, Ryan, it's you know, it's it's the owner from Red House. Hey, how would you like to teach guitar here?" And I said, "Teach guitar? Are you going to pay me to teach guitar?" And he's like, "Well, yeah." And I was like, "Well, yeah." And then <laughs> that's where I learned how to <laughs> how to teach, and and that you know that's how that happened. And then. You know, I went, I went from the, the grunt guy who they gave all the kids that nobody else wants to teach and the groups of kids and the, the, the nonsense that all that entails. Uh, and then, you know, um, I really enjoy it. You know, I think a lot of teachers really wish they were rock stars um, and they mm. teach because they, teach they have to. Um, and I don't like to travel so much. Like, I mean, I'll go on trips and stuff, but. And not that anyone's ever offered me the opportunity to be a rock star, but just hypothetically, mm-hmm. being on a you know twenty city tour doesn't sound like any fun at all to me. <laughs> so, good thing that I truly, truly adore teaching, and it fills my soul. I'm not being goofy here. I mean, I don't. And there were times, and after Red House, I left and I opened my own place, and it was the craziest experience ever. And I don't care what kind of terrible mood i was in when i went to work and even i love my job but still you got to go to work and it's like um by the time at the end of the day i was just the happiest person in the whole world because it's just so fun to be doing something where everybody who shows up that's what they want to be doing at this moment it's not like a tax accountant you know or (laughs) or or a defense lawyer or something where no one who comes to visit you is happy at all It, it was just truly a raucous good time for a decade and a half um and i wouldn't trade it for anything and i have pearl jam and the guy who started red house (laughs) to thank for everything i find your method of teaching to be very um it's a light-hearted fun way you you don't want to stop learning because even when it gets to a, a difficult part of a song i find that you turn it into like let's let's figure this out together. One of those almost like a almost like a Mister Rogers approach to let's just do this kind of thing. Where, where do you think you got your method from? Oh, I mean, so if you multiply um, full time plus, uh, because I had to pay the the rent the the in California ah, yes. the 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 commercial uh, real estate rent on the yeah and. Uh, if you multiply full-time guitar teaching times, you know, almost 20 years, you're coming up in the several tens of thousands of, of one-on-one lessons, you know, taught. Yes. Um, and it's like, you know, when they say Ed Sheeran started as a street performer, so he really knows how to kind of get the crowd going because his right. eating, his eating depended on, on learning what to do and what not to do. And, and over time, over time, you learn the things to say and not to say, and and that's one of the most important lessons for a teacher um, is to know what to say and more importantly, what not to say because you don't want to mm. bog everybody down. So, you know, I I think 
and I never, I don't make outlines for my video. I literally press the button on my phone. I use my phone. My whole channel's through my phone and uh, I have a microphone I plug into it, but I'm allergic to video editing. So it's iMovie and the play button. That's my say. Lots of dissolves. <laughs> that's, that's my whole operation. Cause <laughs> you know, anyhow, um, you know, once you've addressed something, you can then move through it quicker if it comes up again in the song. So you don't want to bog people down with something you've already said. And with complicated stuff, as you say, you always want to tie it back to something familiar because, you know, there's something familiar you can tie anything to on the guitar. And so to connect it to that um, is... I wouldn't say my my method. I've never sat down and thought it was a method. But if you watch my early videos compared to now, even those are different, right? Because I'm learning what to say and what not to say and pacing and et cetera. Is there any difference between teaching a song on YouTube to actually teaching someone in person? No, I do it the same either way. The, The advantage to teaching in person for the person is that I'm talking to you and I know what you know. Mm. Um, and therefore I can speak more surgically to what you're familiar with. That's Um, a good word, surgically. Thank you. And these are the things that, and then when they get it and I know that I said it right for them, you know, and that's what they're paying for when they pay me to teach them, right? They're not paying me for numbers and strings. They're paying me for what to say and what not to say and knowing them. Um, and that's really where all the, all the good feels (laughs) comes from for me. Do you have like a, like a cheat code to get certain people to understand difficult concepts? It's, I mean, it's just person to person. It's, it's just person to person. It's totally person to person. So, yeah, the bank of people in my head is, it's big. <laughs> Vol- voluminous? Is that a word? Voluminous. Yes. Yeah, not voluptuous. That would be weird. It could be both. It could be, some of them could be voluptuous. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this episode is starting to create, like the train is like teetering off one of the rails. That's okay, though. That's where the fun lies. That's it. Um, are there, are there really like fun songs to teach people that you just like, I love that you want to learn this song kind of thing? Oh, well, now you just asked the question of like, what song did I want to listen to just right now? And I, I can't think of it. You know, you know what I mean? I, oh, uh, yes. Well, can't give you an example right now. I wish, I wish more people wanted to learn to play Faithful because that is uh, one, one of the few songs, you know, I play a lot of guitar. So it's not yeah. like when I put it down, I mean, I'm making a record right now and I'm teaching Ooh. a lot. And I'm, I didn't know that. Yeah, and I'm teaching a lot, and uh, and I'm making the YouTube videos at the clip of three or four a week right now. So I play a lot of guitar, which is my dream come true. But when I put it down, I I don't go. Ooh, I think I'm going to go play guitar now, <laughs> even though I've been because I'm lucky enough to call it my job, right? So you, if you if you love something truly, you need to take a break from it so that you can continue to love it. Yeah. Yes. I think that applies to everything and everybody. Yes, exactly. So, we have to, yeah. Yeah, we have to go to our corners every once in a while. <laughs> exactly. Do, do our own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, should we try and learn a song, or should I try and learn a song from you? Yeah, we're going to talk about the brand new Pearl Jam song, which I am just so jazzed about. I've never, I've, well, I've been happier every other time they put out a new song, but I am equally happy right now that it happened. Yes. <laughs> um, all right, before you, we, that's why we have the guitars in our hands, if, mm-hmm. for, the, for those of you watching. Um, before we get into the licks, when you first heard the song, what 
what stood out to you from a guitar point of view, just from an overall song point of view? Well, I'll tell I'll tell you the the funny thing is because you know I this is my new tradition when Pearl Jam drops a song I'm Eastern time that's midnight they they mm-hmm. drop it right and so I stay up till it drops and then then I figure it out and then I post the YouTube video and it's kind of like a race for myself uh, anyways mm-hmm. it, it was I think it was two twenty five in the morning I I got it out uh, this time um, and I'd listen I listened to it you know a dozen times and back and I, I separated out the track so I could hear just the guitar and slowed it down. How, how did you do that? How did you oh, do that? It's it's an app. Anyone can use it. It's it's called Moises, M-O-I-S-E-S. Cool. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um so that's useful. And after listening to it a dozen times and f- tabbing it out and then t- and then making the video and then posting it, I realized, oh my gosh, I haven't heard this song yet. It's a different thing, right? Oh yeah, you weren't listening for <laughs> just fun. Yeah, hearing a song versus figuring out the guitar parts is very different. So at you know at two twenty five, I uh, I cracked a beer in you know a celebratory beer and uh, and I listened to the song like five times and um, I loved the little uh, because that's as I said in the video, so Led Zeppelin-y, right? And I mm-hmm. love and I love and the the theory. You know, that note, the C sharp doesn't belong in our key of E minor. So that was Stone playing with the scale, as he does all the time. You were playing Animal, he's playing a... That's a flat five. Stone loves to mess with five. So the instant we heard this, I knew it was Stone, because only Stone would do that. That's Um, a great nugget. By the way, anyone who's wondering about the guitars, you have a Telecaster-type guitar? Oh, you should recognize this guitar. This is a Schecter PT. I'll, uh, oh, that's that's the same thing Ed had back in the late nineties, right? Yeah, back in back in the late nineties. I've had this since the early two thousands, and I've Frankenstein'd it. It's got uh, Les Paul pickups in it, so this is actually behaves more like a Les Paul, but plays like a Telecaster. Um, that's fantastic. I love Telecasters. Yeah. So you were telling me that offline. Yeah, I, I do have a Telecaster. I am not playing it right now. I'm playing my my Gibson Les Paul. Absolutely beautiful guitar. Um. So and you've got um some octave fuzz on, right? Yeah, so I, you know, and I just got a new toy, so I was messing around with it. Um, <clears throat> but if you listen to Dark Matter, here's here it is without the octave fuzz. Right here it is yeah. with with the octave fuzz. It gets instantly more like I don't want to say industrial, but it's moving in that direction. So if I had to guess, I'm, yeah, I'm kind of new to the, the pedal world, but it sounded like the fuzz to me. All right. So that, well, let's learn. I'm, I'm, st- I'm on regular, um, distortion here. Got yeah. a, I, got a, I got a green rhino uh, <laughs> pedal on. Um, so the first lick there, let me see if I got it, if I got it right. Go ahead. Oops. Off to a great start, Jason. that 100 percent, you got it so so we got oh two three five six frets on the sixth string yeah and relative our key of e minor we've got Mm -hmm. we've got the notes one 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 two three three four 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 flat five just like animal Mm. you know it's it's got to be stone when that happens that's that's true okay so now we know because I, I thought initially that it was a very um, matte 
song, the way that it was very rhythmic. Not obviously the drums start the song, but it was very rhythmic. Mm-hmm. But it's a great that's a great thing to point out. So Stone probably made that first riff. And then where does it go from there? Um, or, what's, or what's Mike doing to compliment it at some point? Because I'm sure, yeah. doesn't he add something? Well, yeah, so so in the thing, I think, because when you separate the tracks, you can't separate both guitars, so you hear both guitars at the same time. Uh-huh. And I think that Mike is, uh, is, um, is, he's got the tremolo on, and he's literally just, you know, and who recorded it? Because we know Stone played the bass in Do the Evolution on Yield. So yeah. we don't know that Mike recorded the part. doesn't matter. The part that would be Mike's part is going to be literally just the tremolo on the E note the whole time in the verse. When he comes in and you start to hear that trem going, I don't think it leaves the E. And that's an okay thing to do because we're in the key of E minor and the, the first note E is always okay to hear over any of the chords or under any of the chords, as it were. That's an interesting... Um bit of theory for people who are writing songs is that yes you can do that um because even though stone's changing what he's doing up the fretboard the fact that mike is staying with that for the tremolo effect um is possible and it sounds pretty and nice and uh you know i with with the processing that andrew watt does and and the mixing that he's done um some of that sounds almost drum machiney but probably not um well very yeah, it, it locks so well with the tempo of the song that you know that's an on the computer effect. You think it's an after, it's an afterboard tremolo? He's just yeah, doing oh, a cleany. It, it has to be because it, again, it is it is it's either MIDI synced with the tempo of the song uh, and they're okay, using shout. a pedal. Yeah, yeah. Or or they just threw it in there in their Logic Pro or whatever they're using because it's it's too locked. It is one hundred percent locked. It yeah. almost, it reminds me of it reminds one of UR, right? But UR is a like a polyrhythm pedal there's a drum machine they plug the guitar into. So it's not right. like a trem, but it has the same effect of being super duper locked to the, yes, the tempo. Right. Similar idea, different way of getting there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so some studio magic there, we think. Yeah. Uh, all right. So what's, what's after that main riff? Uh, so there's several things that come, you know, in the, um, instead of, there's also the, which is, I think we can say it's the first time in Pearl Jam we've seen anyone span, you know, one, two, three, four, five frets with one chord shape. <laughs> well, that's, not a, that's like some, that's some Tom Morello stuff. It's yeah, that's exactly what I thought, and I thought, yeah, because I love Tom Morello's writing and playing. Um, and this was when I thought maybe for an instant because at the those chords sound so thick, those notes sound so thick because there's the octave fuzz on there. It almost sounds like it's a power chord, but it's not. Um, I think this is all my best analysis, right? At this right. moment. Um, so, uh, and I thought, you know, maybe it's in drop D cause then you can move those power right. chords real fast. And then, but then, uh, I guess that's the, Oh, I thought maybe it's in drop D cause then this would actually be this if we were in drop D. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I was going to a point and then I realized my point was the opposite point of the point I was, <laughs> so, there, there you go. Anyways, <laughs> there's that again. The- those of us watching, or those of you watching on YouTube, will see uh, the stretch that Ryan and I are trying to do here. Yeah. What, what is that? What is that little riff? That little that little thing that you did there? Yeah. So we're on the E string. We're going three, five, three, and then up to the A string seventh fret. Oh wow! So right, that? and you, you did it. You don't have to hang on to that E three. You can just you can just you know move yourself this way. Oh, it's more staccato-y. 
Got it. Okay, 100%. cool. So that's like, is that is that like the little tail that gets you to the next next riff or what part? Uh, I can't remember what part of that is. That's the fun thing I called it. It happens like every other time. This, you know, on the str- the the thing that oh, gets right. you, yeah this the thing that gets you to the next riff is this thing. Right. Okay. What, what the oh, hell was that? Yeah, and there's that flat fifth again. So we're gonna be on the E string five six seven. Okay. So I got. And then we're back to the A string fifth fret. And then double back to the E7. Exactly. And this is the funnest part of the song. We're going to slide from the the D note on A5 all the way up to the G note on the 10th fret. Right, and the way it hooks in, that's the one beat of the next part, basically this. So the way it hooks into the thing we just did is this is all the lead up to this. And you put it together. Oh my god. Okay, so... 100%. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And So is that part of the pre-course? Where is that? Uh, this is the pre-chorus. Yep, this is the pre-chorus. So we do the slide 10. Yep. Then now the open low E string is the thing that comes first, and it's 9, 5, 4. All on the E string? Oh, E string's open. A string goes... Oh, A string. 10, yep. 9, 5, 4. Got it, so... Yeah, but the first one is the so you don't get the open E string. Oh. The slide is instead of the open E. Yeah. Is there like a like a, a slightly um muffed open E there in between each note or my my No, that, that that's exactly right. Yep. Yep. Okay. All right, so that's that's the chorus. Yeah, but and then they hit no no no, I think this is the pre-chorus. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then they hit C, normal C. Oh, I can, oh shit. Okay. Regular old C. And then they do the Led Zeppelin. I'm calling this the Led Zeppelin thing. Because it's like day, uh, dazed and confused. Mm-hmm. Right. Anyways. Uh, then they do <laughs> they do that thing again. But there's no yeah. reason to do the slide. Because we're not going to do the boom, 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 boom again. So mm-hmm. this time, it is just the E string. So C. Then oh shit turn it on like that uh yeah then there's no there's no that's that's right then there's no c on the end of that and you're thinking about this as i was going back to i was repeating it right and you're thinking about this as one two three four and one and two it's one two three four one and oh got it okay so right mm-hmm. because that yeah that, that that big c is when he goes deploy the demo uh, deploy the dialogue yes okay cool yep. wow 
the fact that they went open like a proper C chord there, <laughs> it sounds so big when you've just been doing single notes the whole time. Yes, absolutely, right? Yeah. I love it. I love okay. it too. So then I imagine it, 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 then it's got that weird that digital tremolo effect thing. Oh, we get... miss we miss something. We miss something. Oh, what do we miss? In between the C chord uh -huh. and and the uh, the Led Zeppelin thing again. Yeah. Is if you're stone, you're on the E string and you're three 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 five 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 five. Okay. Oh, to get us back to the it's it's like a yeah 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 yes. I got you I got you yeah okay. and, well, what's, what's Mike doing Mike just yeah. hanging on the note no if you're Mike you're gonna be a G octave chord so A ten G twelve yeah so yeah and yeah up two frets. <laughs> that does it go back like that yes it does precisely okay, cool. that's it yep. all right beautiful yep. all right so we're stitching it together yeah so then there's that you are like d -d 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 uh tremolo guy who, I, who knows i think that's after the chorus we haven't done the chorus yet oh we haven't done the chorus yet no but the chorus is the first line of the verse it's just the the <laughs> With the really? yeah, it's that over and over again, or twice, as it were. Oh, okay. Yeah. But Mike has a part in the chorus that makes it different from the verse, which is like Halloween. What do you mean? I'm Witch lost. Witches. Oh, that's my. I guess you haven't watched enough of my uh, video. No. I mean, I know you make you make you make silly dad jokes. I understand. I I my brain was not in that moment. I know. I, know. <laughs> I was. I hey, that was a stretch. I went for it, and I have no regrets. Anyways, <laughs> so okay, back to this. We're in the key of E minor thing. So E is always an okay note to hear, right? Yeah. The whole time Stone is going, doing that whole riff. Mike is on an E octave chord, so A seven G nine. Yep. And he's just all, and then this is where I don't think I'm right about this chord, but I want to hear it. I think this is the Jimi Hendrix chord. You know the oh. Jimi Hendrix chord? Yeah, right. I actually, I think it's it's without the A string is what I think I really hear. So just like D six G seven B eight, very dissonant. Very dissonant, yeah. And there's other times in the song where Mike definitely does the Mike thing, where he grabs the uh, DGB twelve and goes, mm. and that's definitely in there. And this thing definitely isn't the same as that thing as we mm -hmm. as we hear it. So I'm just gonna fill it out with the whole Jimi Hendrix chord, just for until we get to watch him play it. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. What's next? There's a oh, bridge yeah. somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So Mike's all. <laughs> And then he does his octaves again. And then he goes. Oh, those are just two octave runs. Was that, was that, yeah, he where, does. Where'd you start in there? Yeah, on, on the A12. 14? Uh, 12, 14 to 10, 12. Okay, so you're doing. 100%. Yep. Pretty much that. Okay. That's it. So cool. that. That's what the reason I wanted to stay there was because that's what makes the chorus different from the verse, basically. Got it. It's just the, it's the subtleties. It's the subtleties. The layer. The layers. E yes. All right. So we've done verse or intro verse, pre-chorus, chorus, both Mike and Stone. Yeah. 
So what's, um, yeah, after what after the chorus, and it's the only time this happens in the song, they land on the big beautiful E power chord. I, don't think, we, I, I think I can handle that one. Ah, uh, okay, but minor, what I minor minor. What I did not detect in that chord was a third, major or minor. That's your G sharp note on the G string first fret. Yeah, so don't do that. Well, okay, it- but we're going to make the biggest E power chord known to man. Are you ready? Ooh. Because a power chord isn't a shape. Everyone thinks it's a shape because that's how we learn it, right? Mm-hmm. But the thing about a power chord is it has a root and a fifth in it from the scale of whatever. So an E mm-hmm. power chord is E and B and E. And we can add another B on the G string fourth fret. Yep. And we can add another E on the B string fifth fret. Like this guy right here, right? Yep. Lovely chord. Then they do the fun thing. Oh, then are they into the trem part there at some point? No, I think that's after the It might be there. It might be after the second chorus. But either way, it's the riff plus the tremolo. Which, sorry, which we've already demonstrated. One of the things I loved about this song is the themes that permeated it. And one of the themes is big, beautiful power chords. Mm -hmm. Um, And in the bridge, in my video, I assumed that it was a C power chord down to B. And I still think. I still think that's a good guess. It also could be, this could be Stone's one note song. So maybe he's literally just playing C to B as one note because Mike, the Mike guitar, whatever, is playing a the extension of the big, beautiful power chord we just learned, but we're just going to talk about the D, G, B, and E strings now. Mm. So if you can picture <clears throat> where you'd play your C power chord on the A string, third fret. Well. Just, yeah. just play a normal power chord, right? Yeah, we're going to start where your ring finger would be. So we're going to have D5, G5, mm-hmm. E8, B8, B8, E8, excuse me. Right. E8, E8. Yep. <clears throat> like this? Yep, so this is a four-note power chord. Okay. Because it's only Cs and Gs. Right. So. Yeah. Got it. I would, oh, he I, just goes down a fret, right? Down a fret. <laughs> Oh, so basically it's the power chord, but they're just separating it between the two of them. Yeah, so maybe Stone's playing low power chord. Maybe he's playing, because when he plays low power chord, he's duplicating one of those mic notes. Right. So maybe he's playing one note, whatever. It doesn't matter. Okay. Either way, they're doing a, between the two of them, they're doing a five note power chord. Copy. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, and it's C to B. And then. Hold on, Here here I come. Go ahead. Oops. What happened to my guitar? My guitar cut out. What happened? <laughs> what happened? Why did it stop being a, being a guitar? <laughs> I don't know what happened. Carry on. When is a door not a door? When it's a wall? When it's a jar. <sighs> Carry on. I walked into that one. <laughs> that's 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 not mine. It was in a in a joke book. My parents used to read me when I was like five, and I didn't get it. You know, <laughs> why would a door be a jar? That doesn't make any sense at all. Well, listen, we got the B, the C power chord to the B one, and then two frets higher than we started is the D power chord to the 
Oh, C sharp. Uh, there it is again. The yeah. C, there's the C sharp yeah, yeah. again, right? So keep playing with that C sharp note that doesn't belong and that A B flat note that doesn't belong. Got it. That's Stone City. Stone City. Stone City. I think we've done it. Did it. Well, aside from my guitar deciding to just, I don't know what happened, uh, conk out. We got most of it. Yeah. yeah. And right. uh, th- thank you for teaching me. Oh, my gosh. My pleasure. It's my favorite thing to do. Um, before we go, I, want, I need to ask you about this record you're recording. Oh, yeah. I'm, uh, I've been meaning to make a record for a long, long time. And uh, every time I start to make it, I think... Thank goodness I waited till now because, you know, in my in my own view, it's like I think I can do what I need to do to do this, but it's never really been true. And I think this is finally the point. Um, And it's going to be like uh, because, okay, miking drums properly takes someone who really knows what they're doing and a really a really nice room with really nice mics. It's it's an expensive endeavor. And I would like to make a rock and roll record next, but I'm going to use this record to fund the rock and roll record so this is going to be like um like an acoustic piano organ percussion bass sometimes a little bit of electric guitar sometimes kind of chill vibey record mostly with Mm -hmm. some silly beach fun songs in there of course because you got to have the silly beach fun songs um and i'm having a really nice time doing it in fact we were just recording congas last night uh after we hang up i'll send you what i what i was working on just not an hour ago um i'm having a really good time and you know i don't i don't want to say this in the wrong way but i actually have an audience of people um who and some of them i would i would say one percent care that i'm making a record <laughs> always more than one percent <laughs> <laughs> so even one percent of that number is quite a few people and how humbling is that um so i i just i would really like to share the music in my head and some of these songs i'm i'm going back 20 years and what's really neat about it is uh working through those songs that i wrote before i knew anything with you know what i know now so it's kind of like ryan 20 years ago writing with ryan now and the results of that are really interesting and i'm coming up with things that i would never have come up with and i'm so glad i didn't make a record back then because um i really think finally for real this time i'm going to be very happy with um what happens (laughs) (laughs) so i'll be very excited to share that with you as it as it continues i am very curious to hear this because what you just explained is something that has gone through my head a bunch of times, you know, back, I, mean, I feel like everybody does this at some point, but like you have a, a, a band in high school or college or whatever, and you write some, some songs and you come, you, you stumble upon them in, on your iTunes or your, or whatever years later. And they're like, Oh yeah, that's, Oh wow. Yep. How did I do that? <laughs> exactly. Or, or Hey, that was really cool. How yep. did I do that? That happens. Yeah. Both ways. Absolutely. So like, I, I wonder what it would be like if I was to go back and find one of those songs I did forever ago and try mm-hmm. and like, make it better yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So th- this is, this is interesting. Um, th- those are those ideas going to be on this particular record or are you saving some of those for the rock record that's to come? Well, okay. So when you, as I call it, learn to speak music, which is to say like, okay, you speak English, which is very different than having English memorized. Right. Yes. 
you, if I said, yo, Jason, list every word that you know, you'd get stuck after like 13, <laughs> right? You can't do that. That's <laughs> don't, don't make me do that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not what speaking a language is. Speaking yeah. a language, I'm not a neuroscientist or a, I don't even know what that would be, but it like, it bypasses your conscious brain. I don't have to sit there and think about what I'm going to say next. It just happens, right? So this is what I say when I mean, learn to speak music. You want to, you, you want this you want everything happening in your fingers to mm-hmm. not have anything to do with your conscious brain. If you can imagine it, you can do it in the moment. This is what I work on with all of my students. Um, and it's the gift that I'm just so, I want to just give to everybody. Um, <clears throat> which is, yeah, which is why speaking of back to just for a second, my method, I'm not a spoon feeder because I want you to actually have to take the leap, leap yourself. Cause that's where the lesson Learning. really, really yeah. comes in, whatever it is. Yeah. Anyways. Um, oh, the point is I, I I can't write, I'll sit down for like two seconds and I'll have written a song or an idea for a song that I could expand on. Um, but I don't have time for that right now. So I'm kind of going through all my favorites over the last, my favorites that will fit the vibe of this chill, a little beach fun, a little sad sometimes record. Um, my favorites that would fit that vibe for, so yeah, I I don't, I don't know. They, They happen. They span between 20 and probably three years old, the songs. Okay. And when do you anticipate that coming out? Oh, gosh. I don't know. Six months? Okay. Yeah. It's a process. We'll, we'll circle back at, in the, the beginning of the fall, I guess, yeah. and see if Ryan Lent presents uh, <laughs> fun at the, on, on sand, or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I thought it was terrible. Don't use that title. <laughs> fun on sand. Love it. <laughs> the, the the worst thing that could possibly come to my mind. Um, all right. Well, uh, if you guys out there want to learn more from Ryan, just search Ryan Pearl Jam or go to YouTube.com, as it were, and type in Ryan Pearl Jam, and, and you you'll get over 300 Pearl Jam videos. That's it. Some of which are duplicates, but are better the second time around. Absolutely. Yep. Go to yeah. the go to the earlier one if you want to enjoy the journey. Go to the newer one if you just want to get to the right answer. Oh, and before I let you go, real quick. What's one thing you learned from Stone Gosser that you were like, oh, shit? Personally or guitar-wise? Personally. So one thing I find um, really neat about Stone is that um, he, um, it's almost like he has to have a band project going. And by that, I mean... He loves the, he obviously, he loves the making of the music, right? Uh, Obviously loves connecting with the people. um, And he loves all the basement stuff about it. He loves the spreadsheet about how much did this thing cost? So how how do we put in thing? Um, This is my impression from the things he and I have talked about. Um, Mm -hmm. And I am, you know, my dad's an accountant. So, you know, I have my budget on a spreadsheet and I literally put the numbers in on the weekly. So I'm a spreadsheet guy too, because you don't have to think about it then. There's the answer Mm -hmm. right there. Anyways, he loves the making it happen on all levels. And, you know, that's the thing about him that made Pearl Jam be Pearl Jam. Uh, Like, he it, he and Jeff were the seed of the start of it, right? And I think there's a lot about it that we'll never know about that um, Stone made happen, made happen. The stuff that nobody wants to do because it's not the making of the music or writing the song or the going yeah. on tour kind of stuff. So 
I I love that he loves everything about it, and to the to the point that he can't not do it. I mean, painted shield, right? Yeah, it's like he didn't he doesn't have to do that. In fact, I was at the painted shield. Here you go. Here's the case in point. I was at the painted shield concert. Um, one of the three in Seattle, right? The that they had. Yep. And I was at the first and the second one. And at the end of the first one, I was kind of walking to the door and Stone walks to the door lady. And he, she's holding like a clipboard with the numbers from the night, you know, and he looks over at her and he goes, how do we do? Like it makes any difference to him how many yeah. people bought beers. But I think he was concerned that, you know, they made enough money to pay Brittany and, and, and Jason yeah. and, and everybody yeah. made enough money to make it. It's a big trip to get everybody out there, right? And the whole production. So his his deep care and concern for all angles of all the things that support the project, that's my answer. I love it, and it makes total sense. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, uh, again, Ryan Lent, uh, thank you for teaching me dark matter and uh, for teaching me along the way the last seven and a half years because i have definitely watched many of your videos <laughs> before ever reaching out to you about coming on this little dog and pony show we've got going on here um check ryan out music from him coming down the pike um thank you guys for watching remember uh, like and subscribe to this video if you're watching online if you're listening to the audio only um subscribe to the show on your podcast platform and write a review because apparently apple podcasts are getting are using written reviews as the way to f get new people to find your podcast so that's the thing that's very helpful so if you could do that that'd be super anybody who's bought a shirt from us thank you again lights green screen good not, not the guitar i already own that part but keeping this show afloat that's super helpful and i know ryan's got some links too on his youtube channel if you want to help him out and buy him a cup of coffee and uh help pay for one of the mics that's going to mic his snare drum. There you go. Point. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, Ryan, thank you for coming on the show, man. Jason, thank you for having me. Love your podcast, and that's it. Oh, wonderful to meet and speak with you. Likewise, same to you. Uh, that's it. We'll be back with you next week, and until we do, you've been listening to and watching The State of Love and Trust. <laughs>